Are you guys ready for the word? Yeah. All right. It was a powerful worship, and I love the worship today. Usually worship is just kind of gets my heart ready to go, and I start receiving things. But today I wanted to talk to you guys about something I believe that we all go through. Um, and lately it's been, it's been kind of tough with what's been going on. I mean, you can pop up, you know, the news. You can look in the newspaper. if they, they still exist. Uh, you can look at on Facebook and social media. Wherever you look, there's always an opportunity to worry. There's always an opportunity to, to, to be afraid or, or what's going to happen next. And here's what I say to you guys, because I've been approached many times, what do you think, Jesse? What does the scripture say? And I love sharing the scriptures, but there is one thing I encourage every single person here, no matter what it looks like, no matter what people say, do not fear. Because Christ says, I'm pretty much guaranteeing you troubles in the world, but take heart. For I, Jesus, I have overcome this world. And when you can stand on a promise like that, you can run into a, a social media and see something going on on the other end of the world or right in our neighborhood, and you do not have to fear. You do not have to be afraid. And I think a lot of times um, the reason why that sets in, number one, an enemy, a bad enemy. We had a series uh, last four weeks about a bad enemy. But number one, a bad enemy. But number two, our prayer life. And so today, I wanted to talk to you guys about our prayer life. Why keep praying? Look at your neighbor and say, why keep praying? I'm glad you guys asked. Here's the thing why, okay? I want to tell you why. There's art behind prayer, okay? There is a prayer. Uh, there's art of prayer. And some of the prayers that we look at, I'm just going to uh, go down the list real quick. But there's art of prayer. Like there's a prayer of faith where we come together and we just believe God for something. There's prayer of consecration. There's prayer of commitment, just committing to, to, to Christ. There's prayer of worship. You ever been in worship and you're just declaring the word over you? You're just praying? There's prayer of agreement. When we come together, I mean, we just had ministry time, and we just, all Danny and I are doing in the, our prayer partners is we're just coming in agreement with these people that are whatever they're believing for. Because the word talks about that. There's also praying in the spirit. The apostle Paul says, pray in the spirit in all occasions. Okay? There's also prayer of unity every Wednesday uh, evening at 6 p.m. We have unity prayer here. Our church comes together and we just declare things in people's lives. I always like to tell the people, Pastor Danny says the same thing. Sunday morning starts Wednesday night. Okay? Let me say that again. Sunday morning starts Wednesday night because on Wednesday nights we're already praying for Sunday morning. We're praying for people's hearts to be transformed and touched by God. We're praying for the unchurched to come in. We're praying those that are broken to be healed. So when they come in, they sense God. We started that, that, we started that Wednesday. I've been praying for on Wednesday. And I think that's cool. So there's a, the prayer of unity. And then there's the prayer of supplication and intercessory. In other words, we are the prayer, those are the prayer warriors that come in in the gap for people that just can't do it. Okay? There, when we intercede for one another... And if there's a need, you're just, just, just calling heaven down in their life. You're interceding for them. You're declaring the word. You're, you're, you're stepping in the gap so they can rise up. And so there's this art to prayer. But sometimes, can I be a little honest? Sometimes we don't see the results. Sometimes we wonder, God, God, where are you? And this is what I want to I encourage you guys. Maybe we should analyze ourselves. This always comes back to us always comes back to just checking our hearts and where are we at we need because we need to be careful not shortcutting our prayer life who likes shortcuts here i do 
I know when I'm driving somewhere and it's a long drive, I'm like, man, I'm going to find some shortcuts. But there are times where I love the scenic route. I was just talking to a couple of friends right now, and they were telling me they went to Indiana uh, to visit a family member. And, and I was just kind of going back and forth with them, and we we're talking about routes. And like one of them just said, man, I like taking the country road area. There's that scenic route. It's a little bit longer, but there's that scenic route. There's the journey of it. But then you got the shortcut. One highway, boom, I'm there. And sometimes we can take that uh, uh, or have that mindset when we're in our prayer life, some, some days I'm just tired. I'm going to take the shortcut in my prayer life. Or uh, I'm just going to take the journey. I want to take the long route. And we need to be very careful, okay? We need to be very careful to not shortcut our prayer life. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for this opportunity just to speak your word, your truth, Father God. Lord, I push myself aside, Lord, and Holy Spirit, you just take over. The words coming out of my mouth, Father God, may it come from your throne, from your heart, Father. May it penetrate our lives, our minds, our hearts, our souls, Father, for your glory so we can change, we can transform and advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say Amen and amen. Jesus said in the Bible, in the Beatitudes, in Matthew, he, he gathers all the people. He goes on the, you know it as a, the, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? He goes on this mountain and he speaks to this people. And he has this huge passage in the Bible. It's usually written in all red. And he talks about, every, he's just, he's revolutionizing everything, okay? He's talking about the new covenant. But there are three things he says, okay, that uh, uh, indicates a lifestyle we should have. He says, when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. He never said if you give, if you fast, or if you pray. He said when. And that word when shows an expectation in our lives, how he wants us to live. And I truly believe those three things are the key for us to have the mysteries as well and to have an abundant life here is practicing and applying and not shortcutting. And so today I just want to talk to you guys about prayer. Why keep prayer? Even when we don't see the results, why, why keep praying? Can I ask you guys a question? And I really want an answer back. Can you guys do that for me? Okay, that wasn't the question, but here we go. All right. Does God have all prayer? Or sorry, does God have all power? All right, we're all in agreement. God does have all power. And for those that didn't answer, it wasn't a trick question. It is yes. Okay, God does have all prayer. And knowing this, we can sometimes uh, um, miss the point. Maybe not knowing this, we might, we might still miss the point. But sometimes I believe uh, we come to God thinking that if we bother God enough, if we bother him with whatever we're believing for or, or, or wanting, um, he'll probably do something about it. If I just keep bothering him and poking at him, who's ever been bothered by something or someone? <laughs> you got two hands up, man. That was quick. You know, and let's be honest, I've been bothered by flies sometimes. I mean, get up, you know, my kids, I don't want to, it sounds bad when I say it, but they poked at me a bunch of times. You know, dad, dad, we've, we've taught them how to, like, when we're in a conversation, they'll put their hand on our shoulder, and that means that's our indicator of, okay, they want to talk to us, let me wrap it up. So we're teaching them patience. So my son's got it, my oldest daughter's got it, but my youngest daughter's this. <laughs> she kind of got it. Yeah, she's getting there, okay? But have you ever been bothered by something? Think about it. for That's not, that's not prayer. We don't think that we have to continue to bother God with whatever request we have uh, just to get an answer. That's, that's not prayer. 
Okay, bothering God enough, thinking, well, he'll hear us, that's not prayer. Uh, maybe uh, when we pray, um, we, talk, we try to talk God into it. We, we twist his arm. We try to talk him into it. The reason why, God, is because, you know, and, and because. And so it's like we're trying to convince our God to answer this prayer be, we have because of all these becauses. Because that wasn't a word. That was bad. That was good? All right, thank you. All right, so we have all, all these uh, uh, reasons of why. That's not prayer. Okay, that's not prayer. Uh, and sometimes uh, we pray because we think, well, if we pray a certain amount of time uh, for a certain situation, he'll answer it. So this situation is going to require three days of praying and on my hands and my knees. Oh, and that one's going to require maybe just a, a, a simple five. No, no, no. That's not prayer as well. Adding a certain amount of time to a certain situation is not, 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 not prayer. That's not what God's talking about. You see, when we understand what prayer is not, then we understand and we have a better understanding of what prayer is. And here are a few things I just want to share with you guys, if you don't mind, okay? Now, a few things that help us understand why we should keep praying when we don't see results, why we keep praying when things are just going hectic around this world, why we keep praying is this. The first one, God has deposited, everyone say deposited. God has deposited his power in us. God has deposited his power in us. Let's go to Luke chapter 24, 49. It says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem. In other words, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. Everyone say endued. That word endued translates also to clothed. So you are clothed with his power from on high. So when you are endued or when you see the dew on the ground and it's, you see the grass and, and the dirt and the dew comes and settles, it clothes over the grass and it's wet everywhere. Okay, well, You are endued with his power. You are clothed with his power. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power. Everyone say, I got the power. <laughs> Come on, I'm serious. Everyone say, I got the power. That's all right. That's a little weak, but all right. But you will receive power. I'm not promoting the song, okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts 1-8 again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world and the ends of the earth. What he's saying is uh, uh, to, to Holland, Michigan, to Grand Rapids, to, to wherever you're from. You will have this power all the way through the ends of this world, through every generation, which means today, right now. Those two scriptures shows us clothed and received. His power is clothed and received. It shows that we have been given God's power. Luke talks about the promise, and that promise is the Holy Spirit. When Luke says, oh, wait for that promise, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, a deposit of his spirit has been put in us is what we just read, right? A deposit of his spirit has been put in us, which means his spirit of power has been put in us. Have you ever deposited something in the bank? No, really? Have you ever deposited something in the bank? Yes, exactly, right? And when you deposit something in there, you're putting it, whether it's through the drive-thru or through the teller, you're giving them the money, and you have this account that has numbers, and it's strictly for you. And the cool thing is, if someone tries to hack or, or come in or, or, or steal or, or break into, you're alerted. And some of us have that insurance where if money was taken away, guess what happens? 
that money's still, still going to be there because they got your back. That's a bake. How much more are God? He has deposited a power of him in you that is strictly for you and you and you and you and you. It's just for you. And when the enemy tries to mess with you, there is an alert called the Holy Spirit that would say, uh-uh, remember, the greater one is in you. Ah, uh, remember who you are. Remember, he conquered this world already. Remember that there's promises in you inherit. You have a daddy who owns cattle on a thousand hills. Your daddy's rich, in other words. Remember, because the enemy's going to do everything he can to hack in, to break into your account. But God said, no, that is my deposit in you, and you ain't touching my deposit. You see, when you deposit money in a bank, uh, if you were wise or smart or no, that's bad to say that. Okay, let's uh, do not record that. I, this is what I meant. Okay, <laughs> this, when you uh, deposit money in a bank, sometimes you can get an account that gains interest. Okay, I have a good friend here today that's been teaching me a lot of this stuff. And here's the thing: when you gain, when you put a bank, uh, when you have an account that gains interest, when you cash out or if you would ever cash out, you're expecting a bigger return, right? You expect that bigger return. Well, guess what? When God deposits his power in you, he's expecting a bigger return. And that return is people's lives. That return is people's hearts. How you do it, what you do it, he gives you the gifts. You operate in that. But he wants a return of people's hearts and people's lives. There needs to be a return. Think about it. When you deposit a couple of dollars into a vending machine and that thing gets stuck and you're like, ah, you're just kicking that thing. You got no return. You're upset about it, right? But there are times where you deposit it and you get, I got three things. Awesome. That return was big. And so you guys get it? Are you guys keeping up? Okay, just making sure. God has deposited his spirit, his power within us, and he expects a return. And again, that's people's lives. That's the reason why we are in our world that we are in today. That's the reason why maybe some of us are in a factory job or some of us are stay-at-home moms or some of us are. It doesn't have to be ministry. God operates in all aspects, in all areas, wherever you're at. You can be home. You can be farming. You can have just children. And God wants you to, uh, to uh, return those people's lives with the deposit he's given you in this world. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. I'm going to pause there for a second. I noticed this. Now to him who is able to, and he puts, ex, uh, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. What if we took those three words out and we just said, Now to him who is able to do all that we ask or think. The point still comes out. There's still that point of, of, well, God wants us to do all. He can do all. But he said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm above all. Okay? And he's like, I'm not just above all. I'm not just abundantly above all. He's like, I am exceedingly, abundantly above all. All is looking at all. Does that make sense? The thing is, we need to understand that, that, that power that exceeds all is in us. To finish that scripture, according to the power that works in us. Now, I looked up that word according. And in the Greek, the word according is uh, how you would say it in the Greek would be kata. Okay? And what kata, not aha, but kata, what kata is, is to measure out or to distribute in the Greek. 
So when you look after the word uh, according and you translate it to uh, katal, which is measuring out, let's reread that. Okay. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Okay, here's the katal. To measure out the power that works within us or to distribute the power that's within us. So when we look at the, the, the original scriptures, how much of God's power in your prayer, in my prayer, are we measuring out to our family and to our situations, to our friends, to our jobs, to our circumstances? He's saying, how much are you measuring out? You see, when we, again, when we read this, we see that God has all power. Okay, he's above all. And that power lives within us, and we measure out God's power through our prayer. Is it possible then that even though God has done all he has done, that he's poured it all on Calvary when Jesus went to the cross, that he's did everything, that the water supply is there, that the faucet's in our hand? That the faucet is in our hand? What I'm saying is this. You turn on any water faucet, water comes out. But any time, you can close it. Does that mean our prayer life is like that faucet of the living water? I want you guys to hear me very closely because I do not want to be misunderstood, okay? But this is what I'm going to say to you guys. God's unlimited power. Everyone say unlimited power. God's unlimited power is limited to our prayers, our prayer life, the faucet. Okay, the supply is there. He did everything he did. It's been done. All right, sealed, wrapped, packaged. Here you go. Your name on it. Okay, but his unlimited power is limited by our prayers. Um, I think it was in 2011, 12, and 13, maybe 12, 13, 14. I don't remember, but it was around that, that time. I had the privilege and the experience to join the Faster Pastor Challenge. I don't know if you guys heard that. Uh, a lot of you guys were actually were there. And uh, we got to race in these uh, stock cars. Well, every stock car is a, is a, a manual, so it's a stick shift. And uh, there are rules, you know, that I didn't hear, but there are rules. <laughs> I won my heat, okay, just saying. But here's the thing. There are rules that, um, that apply with the stick shift, you know, how many gears you go, full power, what, you know, the turns, all that stuff, okay. So I remember, I, I raced it a few times, but I remember my very, very, very first time ever racing. Man, my heart was pumping. I promise you, I, I just went deaf for like a while, and I could hear my heart, and I was breathing. <laughs> it was like the adrenaline was just coming in because I've never raced a stock car before. I looked good from the outside, didn't I? But the inside, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. There are certain buttons I had to, had to press. They were teaching me how to do it because it's not just like the, the traditional uh, uh, stick shift car. There's buttons inside that you have to flip and switch, that whole deal. Well, long story short, okay, I'm going to this thing, and when we, I flipped that switch, two switches open, um, he said, hit the gas now. I could feel the power. <clears throat> And I was like, all right, I got this, all right? But what I had to do was release that clutch for it to go, okay? And then if, if I didn't release that clutch, that power is just idling right there, doing nothing. But the moment I released the clutch, that's when the, the rubber hit the road and, and we were able to do our laps and, and win the race or whatever it was. There is power in you, and your clutch is your prayer. All God is asking is release the clutch, 
Because you can rev it and roar it all you want, but when you release that clutch, watch the power hit the road in your life. The wheels will hit the road in your life. And that's why he says, how much are you distributing in your prayer life? How much are you giving towards your family or your circumstances? Not shortcutting me, but actually encountering me. And the second point is, we must release his power through our prayer. John 7, 37 says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, and, and as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I want everyone to remember that part. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him will later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had, uh, had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Look at it this way, okay? This scripture I just read. There's been a festival going on, an eight-day festival, that, or feast that was going on. For seven days, the people were praying for living water. They were praying, praying, and praying for this living water. Like Moses, Moses struck the rock. Well, God commanded him to speak to it, but he ended up striking the rock, and supernaturally this flow of water just came out to, to, to uh, uh, quench the thirst of the Israelites, to give the thirsty something to drink. And so in a sense, these people are declaring the living water, and for seven days they're just uh, declaring and praying for it. And on the eighth day, you know what they prayed for? They prayed for rain. You see, because they weren't seeing the result that they wanted to see, they started praying for rain. They were looking to natural water to reason what they felt like, well, this is not working. They shortcutted their prayer. And when you look at them shortcutting your prayer, you'll see at that moment, Jesus stand up on the eighth day and said, I'm the living water. I'm the answer to your prayer. Whoever's thirsty, you need to come to me. You see, they were expecting something different. Living water was with them the whole time. But they were looking for something else. How many times do we shortcut our prayer life and we're believing for something supernatural to happen, something to come through, and because we feel like we don't see it the way we want to see it, we shortcut it and look for something that reasons through our mind. I shared this story one time. I had said uh, probably about four months ago now, uh, I was driving through, uh, coming to the church, and I stopped at Collin Park because I realized that the waves and at, at Collin Park, everything just looked beautiful. So I stopped, and I went for a quick walk. And I was leaning on the, on the rail, and I was watching the water uh, rave, and I heard God say this in my heart. He had said, if I had asked you, I'm gonna, or if I had told you, I'm going to get you across to the other side, how do you think I'm going to do it? And I reasoned. I said, well, I can either swim let me swim, okay, or I can, I can take a boat, or I can drive around because there's a bridge that goes all the way around. And he says, this exactly, he's like, what if I told you, what if I told you I would part these waters and you can walk on dry ground? I laughed. I literally laughed. I'm not joking. He says, that's because you don't believe. You've reasoned, what you've, you were praying for natural rain when I'm saying I'm the living water. And so I had to learn. It was just a lesson. It didn't, it didn't split and nothing happened. Okay? He was teaching me something. But there are times through our prayer life we reason with God. We reason how we would want God to do it because that just makes sense to us. But there are a lot of times where God's saying, you pray for that living water, watch the supernatural happen. Watch things multiply because of what your, your obedience with me and you following my instructions. When we, when we don't shortcut our prayer life, 
When we don't shortcut God and we intercede or we come in faith or we come in agreement or we come in unity, God is splitting the waters, however that looks like. God is splitting the waters in our lives for us to walk on dry ground. Now, the question is, how much power is flowing out of us, out of you, out of me? How much are we allowing to flow out of our lives? The third thing is God adds his fire, or in parentheses, his power. He adds his fire to our prayers. And I'm going to show you guys this in Revelations. In Revelations 5.8, it says, Now when he, Jesus, they're talking about, when he, Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the land, each having a harp a golden, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So there's this bowl, right, in heaven that an angel's holding. And when you pray, when you intercede, when you're in faith, whatever you're doing, whatever you're coming to God about, this bowl, this angel's assigned to this bowl to allow it to be filled by the, uh, the saints' uh, prayers. Okay, so now God has given us this, this, uh, this illustration of what heaven looks like. We're going to skip a little bit down to Revelation 8 to finish it out. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who, stood, or who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it that the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascending before God from the angels' hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with power or with fire from the altar and threw it to the ground, to the earth. And there were noises, thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. Why did I read all that? Because I want you to understand when you pray, when you pray, and you intercede, when you find that there is art to your prayer life, a bowl of your prayers are being filled, and when it fills, it, there is an angel that is signed to throw God's power in it, and he hurls it back to this earth. And he says, there will be sounds, earthquakes, noise, uh, lightning, and thundering. In other words, he's saying, there's going to be an impact here. Things are going to change supernaturally. Things that you feel like is out of control, God is in control of that. And when your prayers are filling that bowl, it's coming right back in a return. My question is, how does our bowls look? That's it. How does our prayer bowls look like for our family, for our marriage, for our friends, for our jobs? Are they filling or are they just kind of a bypass in our life, in a routine? Because when we pray and when we intercede and when we don't shortcut our prayer life, prayers are answered. But here's the good news. Even when we miss it, God will show us the areas if we allow him to. I went to Great Wolf Lodge. Who's ever been to Great Wolf Lodge? Make some noise. Oh, if you haven't, it's cool. It's in Traverse City. It's just a water park. And they have this huge, huge uh, playground set. And this playground set, it's just parents, kids can go on it, but it's probably like three to four levels high. At the tip top of this playground set, there is a huge bucket, probably half of, uh, maybe a quarter of the stage, okay? And then there's this big faucet that water's just gushing in, okay? And it would fill the bucket. And at the right time, you would hear a buzzer. And all the kids will run. All the kids will run and go right underneath the bucket. And this bucket is slowly, slowly, 
slowly come and it is I mean, it is a waterfall. If you guys been there, you know what I'm talking about. It is a waterfall of water. And the kid's like, yeah, and they hit the ground. I've seen a little three-year-old like just kind of get swept by the wave. I mean, it's so much water. It's fun though. It's, it's really fun. And our kids love it. And then they'll go back to their activity. But they would, they would hear that, and whatever they were doing, they were running to it. The reason why I bring that story up is because when you intercede for each other, when you run to the Father, when you have a meaningful, earnest, diligent, according to Scripture, diligent prayer life, and your bowl is filling in heaven, and his power's been thrown in there, guess what's going to happen? And this bowl, (laughs) you guys are not getting it. Give me a second. This bowl, the saints prayers, what you're believing for, what you're standing for, for that that person in your life, or this thing that needs to be met, that bow is going to come, and it's going to be thrown back into this world, and it's going to make an impact, and you're going to bask in it, and you're going to be so consumed by God's unconditional love. People are going to come. There's going to be a return, a return to his kingdom. I don't know if you guys get it or not. Here's the thing. You guys uh, understand uh, maybe about three years ago, about three years ago, um, we shared, no, actually it was not that long. Yeah, about four, no, seven years ago. I'm sorry, seven years ago. uh, My father-in-law passed away recently, but seven years ago we had, Madi and I um, got into this thing where we prayed for him. Madi Moore was just interceding, standing in the gap for her dad. Long story short, uh, because I I believe I shared the story two, two, three times this year, but Madi's dad uh, ended up going home with the Lord, and that was the good news. He went home with the Lord, because there was a time in his life that he just did not believe in Jesus. He was rebelling. But because of someone that was filling their bowl up, Madi, because someone was interceding and stepping, Madi, and she was and she was filling this bowl up, there was no choice but to add that power and hurl it back in this earth. And when that's when she got the phone call of her dad coming to Christ. But here, this is a part that you guys do not know. We just found out. We just found this out this year. My, my uh, father-in-law remarried. And her name is Esther, Esther in English. Uh, we call her Esther. And she, before they got married, they had just met. She just knew something about this guy. And she prayed. And she fasted. She prayed. She filled up her bowl. And it came and it crashed. And we were like, what? And it was during the exact time that two women who loved Jesus just prayed and filled their bows up. And my father had no choice but to lay out on the ground because of all that water that crashed on him. I know I went a little over, but here's the thing, guys. I believe it is important. Out of all what I just said, it is important to understand, do not shortcut your prayer life. Do not let it be a routine and do not let it be tradition. Do it because God said, when you pray. Jesus said, when you pray with earnest and diligence and watch the heavens touch earth because you're filling up that bowl. Watch the heavens come down. Well, I don't know how to pray. There is no such thing as that. You know how to talk. Talk to your God then. There ain't no cookie cutter way. Fill that bowl. Let's go ahead and pray.
Father, I just thank you right now for this opportunity just to speak, Father God, your, 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 your will, your way for our lives, Father. Lord, whatever just, that just came out of my mouth, may it just resonate. May it just move within us. Guys, I'm going to give you a minute just to listen to the Spirit of God. Give you guys a few seconds. Go Just listen to what God is saying. some reason I believe people are hurt right now. They're hurting hearts right now. And here's what I'm going to tell you. God is saying that hurt heart needs to be flooded with me. That broken spot or that emptiness that you're feeling needs to be impacted by me. So I'm going to throw actually three invitations to you. First one is, I, first time I heard Jesus this way, and I, I, I don't want him in my life. Your second invitation, I, I, I know Jesus, I've lived for him, but I've kind of stepped away and I, and I, I just kind of shortcutted him a lot, but I want to come back. Here's your third invite. I am broken and I am hurting right now. And yeah, I haven't really been in my prayer closet. I haven't really been coming to God with this hurt. I've been holding it and I've been isolating it. And that pain is just consuming my thoughts, my sleep, my body. I can't even function. I can't even think right now. Well, guess what? Today, is brand new. On any of those three invites, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, I need Jesus, and I want him. Two, I am broken. I am ready to come back home to him. Three, shoot your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. You, 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 and you over there, and you back there, and you two up here. You are not alone. You're not alone. God is for you, not against you. We're going to do this as a church family. Let's go ahead and all pull our hand over our hearts and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for your word, your truth, and your freedom. Jesus, make me new. And by my faith, I receive your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. What is imperfect has been made perfect in my heart. Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.